Hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we read and discuss a collection of novels. Well, damn, I already messed that up. A collection of comic books or a graphic novel. I am your favorite co-host, Lexi. I am your most handsome co-host, Evan Von Doom. <laughs> and I am your most tired co-host, Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> and today we are going to go over... Dun, dun, dun. She-Hulk by Ooh. what's his first name? John. John Byrne. John Byrne. <laughs> and we are joined today by our lovely friend Evan. Hello, yeah. it's me. Again. The next few weeks, we're gonna have <laughs> Evan on the show. And it's gonna be a good time. So we decided to talk about a character we know that Evan loves a lot. Oh yeah. Uh Evan, what is your relationship with She-Hulk like? My relationship with She-Hulk is uh, very intimate. We will go way back. Uh, you know, it started off with just a random fling here and there, and then became a little bit more serious over time. But, uh, you know, I'm ready to pop the question, so that's why I'm here. Um, but besides that, in the comic books, like, I started with She-Hulk actually with the Charles Soule uh, book, and that was very lawyer-focused and stuff, and it was very fun and very good and very pretty. Um, so then I went back and read some of her other stuff, like a little bit of the Dan Slott run and a little bit of the John Byrne run. So uh, my relationship is that I really enjoy uh, everything she does. I like the fourth wall breaking. I like the lawyer stuff. I like that it's usually not very focused on the superhero antics of it. Um, and I think she's a fun character. She really is very fun. And the John Byrne run that we're covering today is especially known for the fourth wall breaking and playing with what it means to be a comic book. Yeah, um, and to clarify, she's fourth wall breaking before Deadpool. All right, people. So I don't want anyone coming in saying Deadpool invented it or Rob Lee Field's a genius or any of that stuff. All right, it's all about She-Hulk today. It is she. Well, before he was even a thought in little Skippy Liefeld's brain, mm. She-Hulk was breaking the fourth wall. Um. So for anyone that doesn't know, Sensational She-Hulk by John Byrne was the second ongoing series for She-Hulk that more or less spun out of Byrne's time using her on the Fantastic Four. So after the events of Secret Wars, Ben Grimm does not come back with the Fantastic Four and his role is replaced by She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. Byrne falls in love with writing She-Hulk in the Fantastic Four and decides she needs her own book. And this beautiful little piece of art was made for all of us. And it was a blast. Lex, what did what did you think of the She-Hulk comic book? I absolutely loved it. This one was so hard. I Dallas and I texted a little bit throughout the week, and he made the comment to me, he's like, this book feels like our Vision and Scarlet Witch type book. And he is so right. It's so goofy in the best way that it just is... It's just so lovable. You can't help but not have a good time with Jen. And I mean, of course, it's not a secret. She's got a TV show right now Mm. that I'm a fan of, but I also have one brain cell. So don't make fun of me on the internet, everyone. But it's I've enjoyed myself. I've enjoyed my She-Hulk week, to say the least. So this is your kind of first exposure to the character of Jen Walters, right? No. She was in Captain Marvel, remember? Oh, yeah. I love her. She's my favorite. So did it feel different to be reading her solo comic? Though? I was excited. I was excited to read her solo because I really did like her in that um, Captain Marvel run that we read. 
And all I have to say is if there was a tall green woman that wanted to throw me around, I wouldn't be upset. The end. Specifically if she was drawn (laughs) by John Byrne. Yes. I think. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Tasteful. I love the 80s hair. Oh, yeah. It's good. It's good. (laughs) It's good. (laughs) I don't know. Does anyone have like a way they want to start getting us into the book or any other thoughts in general? Um, my first thought was there's a lot of feet in this. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of green yeah. toes. Someone pointed out when I was watching, I was, uh, someone pointed out on Twitter for the show first. And so after that, I've been very noticing it a lot more. And so when I was reading this song run again, I was like, there's a, what? As a woman who has a size 10 foot, they don't go past that. She has, she's doing what she can. All I'm saying is there's a lot of moments where John Bird like writes her, just writes her, take it off her shoes. And I was like, and for the court scene when it happened, I was like, yeah, that makes sense. But there's also other scenes where she like just takes off her shoes when she's in, she's inside wearing shoes. And then she goes like with St. Nicholas in like the the last issue. She takes off her shoes to go outside. And I was like, why would you do that? So I'm just like, I just think, I think John Bird wanted to take her shoes off a little bit. And that's totally okay. I'm okay with that. You know, I got nothing against that community. Hey, I'm just saying it became noticeable. That's it. This was a horny comic book a in a way that I was like, John Byrne is horny for She-Hulk. Yeah. And there are a lot of times that that for me becomes like a turnoff in a comic book. Like I think a lot of the time about Spider-Woman, a character that I love, there are comics with her in it that I'm like, I'm not enjoying this because of how she's being portrayed. Yeah. And I don't know what, the line was, but John never quite crossed it for me in She-Hulk, but he certainly was like dancing on the horny line. He's yeah. like, da-da-da-da-da-da, bikini, da 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 brawn panties, but da 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 her feet are always out, da 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 giant hair. And I was here for the whole time. Yeah, he draws a very good woman, and people in general. His Hercules, also very nice. So Everyone is hot. Yeah. And it's like I think She-Hulk, as someone who is aware that she's in a comic book, is aware that everyone around her is hot. Yes, we don't really see it so much in these first eight issues. But if we read like um, the Return of John Byrne, because after this eighth issue, someone else comes on a different creative team. It's still good. It's different. But um, then he returns later. I think like at issue forty or something, and then writes twenty or forty issues. And there's a lot more jokes about her being sexualized. Like one of the covers is her. Uh, jumping rope completely naked but she's being covered by the jump rope basically um and there's one where she's like covered by the comic authority uh approval sticker so and she's making like remarks about like this better get my sales up and stuff like that so hmm. there's definitely like an understanding from both the character and the writer that there's a purpose to why she's uh being sexualized in the way she is and if that's good or not is not up to me to say as uh, a man in 2022 but uh i'm sure you know other people might have Stronger opinions about that. And I think that's totally fair. I feel like for me, it never came across creepy. And I don't know if that's just like my read through of it. I'm sure I, like you said, everybody's got a different opinion, but like, I feel like just for me, it was like, yes, she is hot and she knows that. (laughs) And that is okay. (laughs) And that is why we're going to write her like this because she's funny. Yeah. (laughs) So did we have favorite moments from the run? I did, but I can't remember right now. I say it is. I'm like looking through comicology as quickly as I I can. (laughs) I think for me, 
while I'm vamping here. Issue four, where she meets the Golden Age superhero that Mm. is like, I need to be a side character in your book because otherwise I age at real time. Oh, Wheezy? Yeah, Wheezy was super fun. It was fun to have someone else who was aware that they were in a comic Mm -hmm. book. Um, We keep using this phrase, breaking the fourth wall. And for someone that doesn't know, it's a term from the theater, right? That when you're looking in at a theater, there are three walls. And then the invisible fourth wall is the one that we can see through, but the characters in the play cannot see out of. And so for a character to break the fourth wall is to be able to look past and see the audience that they are performing for. And so She-Hulk is aware of the constructs of the comic book that she is within Hmm. and she uses that to her advantage i think one of my favorite bits is in issue six or seven when she tears her way through the ad in the comic book yeah Yeah. and just like strolls across the bottom of the ad to leave was incredibly fun but this really crystallized for me in issue four when you meet wheezy and she talks about what it's like to be a comic book character and they're fighting Stiltman, who's one of my favorite comic book villains. He's so stupid. And they just, he's like an afterthought the entire time as they're talking about what it means to be living in a comic book. And I think it's a great microcosm for what this whole comic is, where superhero antics happen in the background, but they are the last note of what makes this comic good. Like Mm -hmm. Jen's personal life, her sense of humor, her ability to break the fourth wall, and her supporting cast around her is what makes this an interesting and fun book. I 100% agree. Um, also, the issue you were thinking about was issue five, because that's when uh, Dr. Bong shows up when we were all, ex- quote unquote, expecting Dr. Doom. <laughs> that was so funny. Yeah, that, that was, was so very funny. funny. His so My favorite moments were always when, obviously it was probably when she was breaking the fourth wall, but I always liked when she was angry at John Byrne specifically yes. in... My favorite issue also was uh, issue six when she goes to space and when she gets to deep space for the first time, there's a moment where she looks outside and it's just like the regular like space, like blackness and like dots for stars and stuff. And she's like, whoa, I've never been this far out of space before. And she looks outside and then she turns to the, the fourth <laughs> wall and she goes, really, John, this is what we're doing. It's my first time in outer space, like this deep in outer space. And this is what you're going to show me. And then the next page is a two page spread of like this deep Jack Kirby-esque uh <laughs> interdimensional beautiful space and she's like that's more like it. i think that's my favorite bit from the entire series so far that was my i think my favorite bit was when she gets turned into basically the green yeti and then she's like mm. do you realize how expensive it, expensive it is to get a brazilian wax she's like i will never financially <laughs> recover from this <laughs> <laughs> I love when Wheezy's like, how did your clothes not tear during that fight? You were oh, kicked yeah. through the crunk. Oh, like, yeah. Look at the print. And then it's the Comic Code's authority. Yeah. <laughs> clothes. Protected by. Yeah. yeah. Funny. It's like, I'm that not was allowed to I was to also going to say that one. That one's funny. I also They're... like when she gets really mad when the Toad Men show up. Yeah. She was expecting yeah. it just to be like a tease for like the real villain. And then it was, to- and it turned out to be like Mysterio was behind it. But also for a minute, she was like, really? Just, it's just the Toad Men? No one knows what this is. Are you serious, John? I loved when she would call out the the side plots. Like at the end <laughs> yeah. of issue four when she's like, man, we got two more pages to go. Like, what do, what do we even do? I guess we got to do a side story or something. <laughs> or the bad guy when she's like, ugh. You're about to see who the bad guy is, but I won't find out till issue three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, 
it was a genuinely funny book, yeah. which is a hard line to walk because there are books that want you to think that they're funny. Yeah. And then there are books that are actually funny. And this was actually funny. Every issue. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was very funny. The only other like type of authors I could think of that really don't walk that line of like, is it funny or not? It's just always funny. It's like Ryan North or um, when Kieran Gillen wants to be funny. I think Kieran Gillen is very funny. So there's like a very few people who was always like, oh, yeah, you guys know how to write jokes for comic books. But a lot of times it comes off like kind of cringy or it just doesn't hit. And you're like, oh, it's amusing, but um, it's not for me. But She-Hulk, pretty much every single joke hits perfectly. And I was always like just in in the spirit of whatever joke they're going for. Do Did you have a favorite character outside of She-Hulk that was introduced? Because that first little gang of the guys with the funny heads that she had to fight. The headman. The headman. How mad the guy got that she he was on her body. He was like, Are you <laughs> kidding me? He's like, What have you done? He's they're like, being a man is in your head. He's like, Shut up! No! I'm on a giant green woman. I just I love the headman. They were so what a fun way to start this comic book. I was like, oh, you guys are campy and ridiculous, and I love you. I also oh. loved how Spider-Man absolutely roasted Mysterio for how he's like, you realize you just have newspaper clippings in this box, right? Yeah. He's like, you, you got $3 million in here in newspaper clippings. I like that uh, the headman tried to recruit Mysterio because he had a weird head too. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, hey, do you want a job? He was like, no. And they're like, I was expecting him to say that. <laughs> That's why he has counterfeit bills. <laughs> the headmen, I think, were the best, um, not new addition or anything, but use of, a, a, besides Wheezy. Wheezy was like a really good. Uh, Wheezy was very cute. Yeah. Wheezy was really cu- cute. I really like what it had to say about comics, like in a more meta sense of how comic characters like become almost nothing when they're forgotten. And I like that it kind of mirrored She-Hulk's because She-Hulk also kind of disappeared for a minute after her original run uh, ended. So it was really cool, I think, and it helped the story a lot. But I have to go with Mysterio because I like Mysterio. I also think the space truckers are freaking hilarious. I couldn't help but think of my dad. I was like, this is Ice Road Truckers all over again. I am not subscribed (laughs) to this media. Delete. (laughs) I was so confused by them, but I like them. They were were very interesting, but I loved it. I couldn't tell if like this was me them catching me up on like a side book that happened somewhere else, or if this really was like John Byrne has created this whole soap <laughs> opera that he then explained in two pages to get you caught up on what's going on. I was like, U.S. did what? <laughs> that, that woman named Wide Load. I <laughs> was dying at Wide Load. Oh, Roll. brilliant. Straight to jail. Straight to jail. <laughs> if anybody ever called me that, straight to jail. 100%. <laughs> you get knocked right into the grave with that one. So something else that I noticed, She-Hulk doesn't have a superhero outfit in this. Like every issue she has different clothes going on. There's a fashion montage. I am such a big fan of John Byrne doing this because something I've noticed once it was pointed out to me is that like very few comics artists are good fashion designers. You know, like you look Mark Bagley 
has not seen what anyone other than him wears for clothes since 1993 <laughs> because Marvel has him locked in a basement. He's like, I know what the youth are wearing. And you're uh... like, no, you don't, Mark. You really, really don't. And it just, it made it feel fresh and lived in that mm. she was this fabulous person who you would open up a new issue and she'd be sitting there in like some running shorts and an iHeart LA t-shirt mm-hmm. and cool sneakers. Like every single outfit she had it felt like we were really peeking into her life she wasn't just wearing like a little fictional character uniform and i love how she talked about it too she was like um specifically when she was like taking off her like outer suit wear when she was about to beat up stilt man she's like she's like i pay so much for this shit to custom made she's like i can't ever go around ripping it up (laughs) like that's so funny yeah, and it was really like we were looking into her own life, which made a lot of sense why she was never in uniform. Because she wasn't, like, at the same time she was on an Adventures book um, after Burn, even after Burn left. Oh, no, Burn wasn't on Adventures. But um, whoever was writing Adventures at the time, was that Buscemi? Or what's the name? Buscemi? I, I don't Buscemi? remember. I don't know. Either way, she was on an Adventures book at the same time. So I'm sure she had a uniform there. And she had a uniform with the Fantastic Four. So it made sense when they are going on outings. But... Now it's supposed. This is supposed to be like her attempting to start a lawyer career, and there's a lot of times where she's like, "All right, now finally it's time to do lawyer stuff," and then immediately some other shenanigans happens. And even when she's doing lawyer stuff, it's like huge shenanigans, like Saint Nick showing up and her not realizing who he is for the longest time. It was so funny when it was like the readers figured out who I am, so yeah. I don't need to tell you. Cracked me up. I love his instruction on going up and down the chimney. (laughs) That was funny. (laughs) The fingers and the nose and not. (laughs) What a silly character. It was also funny how how many characters also broke the fourth wall in this book. Mm -hmm. By which I mean, I think only two. But still, that's two more than I expected. And every time they did, She-Hulk was super confused as if she doesn't do it all the time. So I love that they don't communicate that to each other. I agree 100%. I thought the idea of Santa Claus as a detective because he knows if everyone is naughty or nice was brilliant to me. I was like, outstanding work, Mr. Burns. You you know he goes home and watches Investigation Discovery on Hulu. 100%. (laughs) That's all Santa does. It is so good. So I know that, Alexis, you know who She-Hulk is, but with Mm -hmm. issue one of this... Do you feel like they did a good job rehashing her origin and getting you caught up to where she was at? Yeah, I feel like they did. Um, I feel like even just with my other media intake from just like the show, um, I feel like the show seemed a little goofy in my in like the introduction of how she happened. So like the comic made it seem much more plausible that that could have happened, if that makes sense. Um, so I did appreciate that. And I did, I do feel like it was a really good introduction, but still short and sweet. So like you get the point, but here we go into our real story. So I did appreciate that. I, I agree. I, I'm always thinking about you when we're reading those books and I'm like, did we pick a good jumping on point? Is this going to be a good explanation? And I was really pleased with the first issue of this run because I was like, oh, you actually have done a jumping on point. Like this really can be someone's first She-Hulk comic and they're going to be A-OK. And they're going to want to pick up issue two as well. Because something I've, I read a lot of 80s comics this week for some reason between this and George Perez's Wonder Woman. That was like my whole week. 
great week for big haired women. Honestly, they've been in my head nonstop for five days straight. Just giant haired women. And Alexis, I have someone for you to meet in Wonder Woman comics. We're going to have to do it because she has Wonder Woman has this girl boss PR agent that has a cigarette in every single panel. She takes meetings (laughs) from her pool in a bikini dragging a cig. But the first time she meets Wonder Woman, she knows Wonder Woman won't like that. So she's in this like earthy like cardigan and giant pants. She's like, hello, it's me. Greenpeace version of me. Would you like to work together? And Wonder Woman's like, absolutely. And she's like, great. Merchandise you everywhere. (laughs) Back to the shoulder pads. But that is not about She-Hulk. I, what (laughs) I love about, I want her. If she could come to She-Hulk, I would be so happy. But what I love about 80s comics is there really was a sense that this might be the only issue you pick up for a while. So like, if it's a decompressed story where nothing happens, then it's a waste of your time and money if you're a little kid in 1980 grabbing this off the newsstand. Mm. And so there's a sense of urgency to have a beginning, middle, and end in every issue. And if it's going to stretch into two issues, it still has to be a meaty enough thing to make you care to come back for issue two. Yeah, And I just, I don't know, it, it felt really refreshing to feel like we only covered eight issues, but... I spent so much time with She-Hulk and it was fun time. Like it was never a chore to be with her. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I love that. I like, I think this is my favorite era of comics is like 1985 to like 1989 are just these golden years where everything I pick up, I feel like the craft is at a point where I'm not like, Oh my gosh, I don't, I don't want to read you telling me the story I want to watch. I want, you to like the words and the pictures to mean something yeah but also they're still meaty and campy and silly in a way that makes me smile like i loved every goofy little thing that happened in this comic book because if the headmen show up now in a comic i'm not sure that they would be quite as silly now as they were here yeah I so agree. I actually said something to my boyfriend Carson the other day while we were watching the second episode of She-Hulk because the first episode we watched, I loved it. I was like, "That is, the, I'm very excited to see where this goes. And he was like, I don't know if I love it. He's like, I, it just doesn't seem like, he's like, I just don't know why I can't get into it. And I was like, that's fine. Like, it's only one episode. It's like 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. Like, we'll watch the next one. And then after the next one, he said the same thing. And I was like, you know what? I think I realized, I was like, And I had started reading a little bit of the comics already when we watched the second one. So I was like, I think this TV show is a fuck you to all the guys that take these TV shows too damn seriously. (laughs) I was like, She-Hulk is going to come in here and hand y'all your butts and say, y'all need to chill out and watch some TV because it's goofy. (laughs) And that's exactly what the comic is too, which made me so happy. I was like, this whole thing's just like, a joke to her in the best way like she's like this is ridiculous and I know it's ridiculous and so I just love it so much and I agree with Dallas like it just that era of comics is just so funny and so campy in the best way like this is how in my opinion I love comics like I love when they are so dramatized to the point where it's hilarious that they just you just can't help but not really take them seriously yeah, it really speaks to the character because 
again, like the, the villain was the headman, which is someone I'd never heard of before reading She-Hulk. And I don't think I've ever seen anywhere ever again or before this. So for them to be like, oh, the big bad of the first arc is these characters you never heard of. And then the big bad of issue five is Dr. Bong. It's like, we're not sticking around. Like the villains are like fun, especially they interact with She-Hulk, but we're not sticking around because of them. Like She-Hulk is carrying these books herself and the writing is carrying itself. So I think this book, like you guys were both saying, is very much the type of book I like, especially the type of book that I could read three issues and put it down for later. Uh, like recently I've been re- reading um, early Wally West Flash uh, stories because I started the Mark Wade run and then someone was like, you guys start before that. So I was like, shut up, nerd. So I did that and they were right. <laughs> so, <laughs> But now I got to a point where I was like, I'm going to stop for a little bit and do literally anything else just for a while, even though I was like really enjoying it. So it was really nice. And I think this is another book that I'm like, I really enjoyed these first eight issues. I'm going to take a break and then eventually come back to like the later John Byrne books. Or maybe I'll read like the She-Hulk in between the two John Byrne books because I never read in between that before. But it is really nice to have a book again that I could pick up whenever and put out whenever. And it's already, it's just there for me. Absolutely. That's, it's an unspoken quality that is missing and so many comics that are written for the trade. Like sometimes it does feel like you have to read six to 12 issues to even feel like it was worth your time with some other comics. And it's really refreshing to have like, this is going to be by my bed for months because I'll just be like, I want to read an issue of She-Hulk, you know? And that's very fun. Um, I've, I was flipping through and issue two is so funny. The issue with the toad, man, when the opening is her going through her fab little apartment now. And there are all the notes from the editor that's like, this is a superhero comic. Like, superhero things need to be happening. And she looks like, no, they don't. (laughs) Like, we're just here. And she's just hanging out on the couch. And they're like, are you kidding me? Is this real? (laughs) Popcorn? I love. It was like Stan and Jack would have had a cosmic battle by now. And you're drawing popcorn. (laughs) And I think my... My actual favorite joke in this whole thing is when it flips to the side story before the fight and then it comes back and the Toadman and She-Hulk are all just vibing. They're all just sitting there like, oh, you're back. Oh, now we got to fight. This <laughs> was so funny. I agree. <laughs> or they, they shredded her shirt because John Byrne loves to draw She-Hulk in no clothes. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, you shredded my favorite sweater, you bastards. It's Which true. Again, I'm so curious of how this has been received if it came out today. Because I don't want to be one of those people who are just like, people can't take a joke nowadays and blah, blah, blah. But I feel like nowadays, whenever something like this happens where a, a woman's constantly getting like declosed, like in every single page, it would become a talking point on the internet in a There would be a way. think piece. There yeah. would be a think piece about this. And I'm always curious if it's like, if we're just nostalgic for this kind of stuff or if it was more sensible. Like Lexi was saying that she thought it was more... Uh, it didn't feel like it was actually like objectification of She-Hulk or it felt more part of the story and there was like some respect behind there. And I wonder if that's actually in the writing or if we're seeing it through like rose-colored lenses right now because we really enjoyed the book. And if we didn't enjoy the book, would we be going like, and also like, she's never wearing clothes. What the fuck? She's, her feet's always on the front page. <laughs> she always naked. <laughs> Why is she always naked? I shouldn't be looking at your titties all the time. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Which also I'm not saying like this. <laughs> that criticism. Or that's what we no sound place. like. I don't think we sound like that. But um, I'm just curious, like if, if the artist was different or if the writer was different or if the character was different, I wonder if we've had the exact same opinion or what would have been different. 
And I don't know. I can take that. I think for me, when I realized that I was fully on board was when there was a sexy French maid with a duck head, just be <laughs> just like <laughs> bouncing around boobily through the issue. And I was like, frankly, burn. I'm here for it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Outstanding work. Where she's from or anything? She just show, she shows up before Doctor Bong, I think. <laughs> she does. She just did. <laughs> hot duck. Yeah. And so when Doctor Bong shows up, I'm like, oh, all Lord. right, I can accept the bog head man, but the duck. Someone has to explain this to me. You gotta tell me what's going on with the duck. And she and she looks like I'm gonna rip your mask off. Check. It is not my mask. It is my head. And she's like, whoa, <laughs> what? I was, I was gone. Like this is the funniest book I've ever read. Oh my god! Oh, this shit rules. It rules so hard. Doctor Bong is such a funny character, and he needs to come back right now. 100%. He needs to be. He needs to be the big bad of an Al Ewing comic. That would make so much sense. Like the like in um, Defenders, if he was yes. the Defenders big bad, it makes sense. I feel like he was just in something, or maybe I'm, I read something that he was in from a while ago. I feel like he was just in something, but I don't know. Goofy character. What's that eyeball ca- character's name? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. That was yeah, in so. Original Sin. Yeah. He should be like, part of the headman. He should be. Lexi, there's this character. I think his name is The Orb. And he just has a big eyeball for a head. And he is, r- runs around. I think there was a time period where he was stealing people's eyeballs. But yeah. besides, <laughs> but besides that, he's usually everyone's just kind of like, haha, he has an eyeball for a head. It's like a very funny character. But there was one dark period where he was stealing people's eyeballs, including uh, Uatu, the the Watcher. If anybody listened to our Sandman episode, that sounds like the Corinthians wet dream. And that's all I'm going to say. 100%, yeah. They would love each other. <laughs> they would do Taylor's <laughs> oldest time. They'd be doing the Lady and the Tramp thing with the noodle, but with the eyeball. With, <laughs> with one with eyeball. The Corinthians. The Corinthians just like suckling on his giant head. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Holy shit. It's got to stop. Whew. Can we talk about the little tiny head that was on top of Jen's body at the end of the headman yes. issue? I yeah. did not understand at all what was going on, but I was like, I'm having too good of a time to question it. Sure. <laughs> at first I was like, little head. At first I was like, oh, men in black. And I was like, wait, no, that didn't that movie didn't come out yet. What is this? I don't get the <laughs> joke at all. Yeah, hold on. <laughs> so I don't get the joke, but it was very funny. And it was even funnier that Peter was just like, Yeah, this is what I did. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, Yep. And I was like, okay, fuck it. <laughs> John Byrne draws a fantastic Spider-Man. He does draw a good mm-hmm. Spider-Man. That first big splash of Spider-Man, I was like, it's very clearly like after Todd McFarlane. Oh yeah. But I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I want <laughs> all the time. I John Byrne, he's clearly he's a fun writer for this. Yeah. But first and foremost, he's one of the most iconic comic book artists of all time. Like he yeah. defined what comic books looked like for a decade. Hmm. And this is a little bit later in his career than something like Alexis. He did the dark Phoenix that we covered. And so you can see his evolution as an artist, but what did you think of outside of the fourth wall breaks outside of the fun characterizations, the artwork of this comic book? Was it something that stood out to you and made it a more fun book or was it just kind of a part of everything? I loved this artwork. I realized also reading throughout this, like I know we mentioned like this era of comics. I feel like in my mind, when I think of a comic book, this is the type of art style that I think of. Like the 80s, big hair, bright colors, everything all over the page, big splash pages of just exciting 
bright colors and all that just right in front. Um, That's just what I think of when I think of comics. I realize how much I love art like this. It's just so much more fun. It really grabs your attention. And I feel like that's sometimes things that are lacking nowadays and some of the newer stuff that we go through. Um, I mean, obviously the colors are still there, but sometimes they're more muted or they don't lean into them as heavily as they used to in the past. Mm. Um, Even also just like, I know we love to tease Dallas about color theory, but I just keep having that image of of She-Hulk in her red little camisole outfit that she was wearing under her her um, suit for work and how like that just looked it just looked so good with like the green and her hair and her skin and just like the red of her little outfit and her little gloves it just looked so good it just it just matched it just looked awesome and it grabbed your attention and I just feel like that's something that people I feel like people should bring that back I just love it I agree I also just like they drew everyone sexy in this book. Like I was flipping through the omnibus just now at some of the later issues. And there's a cover where She-Hulk is wearing a parka and a scarf. And she's like, sorry, guys, the editors have said I've been too sexy on the covers lately. So this is all you get this month. <laughs> and I was like, really? And so I flipped back and looked at all the covers. And I was like, this was hot. Like I would have picked this up off the shelf as a little 10 year old boy. been like, I'm just a really big She-Hulk fan. Um, she's a really say- character. She... Uh, the fourth wall breaks are very clever, Mom, oh, yeah. and uh, it's about the comic book medium. Mm. It was like me watching Hannah Montana as an eleven-year-old boy. I was like, <laughs> I just like their hijinks, Mother. And instead, I was like Miley Cyrus. I don't know these words yet, but step <laughs> on me. I'm eleven years old. Oh Lord! No, I'll be real. It was Bucky, Kentucky. That's what we were all there for. Very true. I was watching Kim Possible because of Shigo. Oh, dog, oh. Kim Possible. <laughs> Don't get gotta... Dallas started on Kim Possible. Like, listen, Kim Possible I'm trying, is that I'm trying to go. As, I'm trying to get uh, convince my girlfriend uh, to do matching costumes with me, so I could get her to go as she go. Uh, that would be do my it. dream come true. I'm trying listen, to. I, I keep like I keep through the pitching of like matching costumes. We keep talking about. I'm like, hey, we, you know what? We could we could do like a Kim Possible one. Like, and she's like, oh, like Kim Possible and Ron. I was like. Or like I, I don't know, maybe like Draco and uh, what's her name? Uh, she, she, Chico, Chico, yeah, you know Chico, yeah, you know the, the one I want to step. I mean uh, the 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 cool one. She's like a really cool personality. One that was a lot of people's sexual awakening. So once upon a time, I loved Kim Possible so much, and I had this little four wheeler, and when I was, I had to be like eight or nine years old, and I had this little four wheeler, and I remember so vividly, I was like doing donuts on it in my backyard and then in my head i was kim possible and i was like zipping around like kim possible not even ron he was kim i was kim and there was this there was explosion behind me and so i like (laughs) leapt really dramatically off of my (laughs) four-wheeler and then my dad from the porch goes what are you doing i remember just like the dread of realizing i can't be like dad i'm kim possible (laughs) And so I was like, oh, nothing. I just wanted to do that. And he's like, you just wanted to jump off your four-wheeler for no reason, really dramatically? And I was like, yeah. Yeah, just what what I was doing, Dad. Just being being butch as hell out here. Am I right? That's your brewski, bro. (laughs) Bro, what are you even talking about? My guy. As our dad's eating popsicles on the porch. Exactly. That was his behavior. I, I don't think he even knows the story, but like it was a formative he moment for me as a child that I was like, 
<laughs> embarrassed that I was being Kim Possible, but oh. she's a baddie, frankly. Yeah, she's just cool like She Hulk. Yeah, I like Kim Possible. I love that show. Let's talk about that instead of She Hulk for a little. No. <laughs> Listen, there's something to be said about a comic book that's just starring a baddie. Like yeah. I've never understood the dudes that are like, ugh. MCU. I was like, it's the same <laughs> shit with hot women now. It is, it is categorically better. What? <laughs> I don't ever want to read a Hulk comic ever. I just want She-Hulk all the time. Every Hulk comic would be better with She-Hulk in it, says I. That's true. Immortal Except Hulk for... with just She-Hulk. If Immortal Hulk had, like the Immortal She-Hulk one shot was really good. So I don't, I don't disagree. They should have just done a Mortal She-Hulk after that. So going whatever Donny Case is doing, no disrespect. But some disrespect for me. A little bit of disrespect. Of yeah. disrespect. <laughs> I couldn't get past the first issue. I can't believe they're doing Immortal Hulk in one omnibus. Yeah, it that's, is so big. That's so big. That's like fifty issues. It's almost plus? sixty issues with the one shots. Oh, yeah, in Jesus one book. Christ. This is insane. I'm going to make Alexis read it in one week. Lord, nice. show. Lord have yeah. mercy on my soul. Oh, Immortal Hulk's great. You're going to love it. It's Shout gross. out. Uh, speaking of Immortal Hulk, uh, Zemnu was in this? Yeah. Yeah, the Yeti Man. He was so fun. He's fun, but it was hard to enjoy him after reading Immortal Hulk. Because <laughs> I kept thinking about what he does in that. And it's uh, it's different, for sure. I'll say that. He is so uh, scary in Immortal. Immortal Hulk is Hulk as a horror comic, Alexis. Yeah, I like a body horror comic. Yeah, where like horror, like Zemnu does some horrifying shit in that comic book. So reading this, where yeah. he like becomes a a giant man's teddy bear, I was like, <laughs> I think this is why he became who he did in Immortal Hulk. <laughs> this yeah, is his origin story right here. <laughs> I was like, I would go ape shit as well. Do we want to touch on anything else from She-Hulk before we move into like the question section? Let me um, see. I'm good. But what about you, Evan? Um, my only question would be, would there be anything you guys would change about these first eight issues? Hmm. Um, for me, it was very fun that it was directionless. and But at the same time, I kind of did find myself expecting there to be more of a longer term idea like with the hints that something big was coming for issue five and it was just dr bomb but i thought that my dr bomb would be around more often or the mm-hmm. headman would come back later i know it's only the first eight issues and there's like way more after this but it also seemed like there was some subplots that were being set up that john burr was setting up for the next writers to take over that never went anywhere at all mm-hmm. so I had some issues with that, but Ryan, like obviously I love the series and I wouldn't I don't know if I would even ask you to change at this point because I haven't read the next few issues, but I feel like for if you're going from these just first eight issues, which is how they're collected also in some uh volumes, I thought it was kind of weird just to have those subplots there or to not really have to introduce an overarching villain and then like not actually have them overarching past issue three. That makes sense. I think one for me, this might just be more of a nitpick, but like this later art style from Byrne where there's a lot more cross hatching, the mm. sometimes the characters looked a little like gritty around the edges just from how he was penciling at this time. Yeah. Like the figure work was brilliant and how they were working was brilliant, but the actual like rendering of the characters, there were a few times that I was like, and we're getting closer to 1991, everyone. 
We are slowly approaching the everyone looks like they've got a bunch of gravel on their face era. (laughs) And so that wasn't my super favorite, but a different jumping off point. The omnibus that I have of this collects a graphic novel that Byrne did of She-Hulk before Mm -hmm. this that just like plays it straight. Like there was no fourth wall break. There was no sense of humor. And it was so much worse. Like I didn't finish it. I read a few pages and I was like, well, this isn't what I like. And so I really like the tone of this. And it made me realize that I liked the tone of this as much as I did. I was like, if this sense of fun wasn't present, the other things aren't interesting enough for me to be here. Like she went on this big space adventure or whatever. And just the whole time I was like, this is boring. Like it's, it's not as fun if she's not like, "Uh, we all know I'm going to have to hold on to the side of the rocket. I saw the cover. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It just makes it more entertaining. I agree. How about you, Lex? Anything you would change? I feel like I would have loved to see her have like a designated outfit, like maybe at the end. Like Mm. when she's starting to feel more like in the swing of things, like to have her just a full, like maybe like even just like a full page spread of her in like an actual superhero getup. That's her style. I feel like I would have liked that. And just because of the way I like the art style in this one, but I appreciated her other little, her other little outfits that she was wearing. Yeah. I dig it. I love the issue where she does the fashion montage. Yeah. Where it opens with that like sick leather outfit. And she's like, this is sweet, but not for a job. Every every single one of those outfits in the montage was so cool. Um, One more note before we move on. I just, I know I'm talking a lot, but I just love this comic. No, that's all right. Her fight with Stiltman was really (laughs) creative and fun. When he. Like she kept not taking him seriously, and then there there were so many toes in that fight specifically. But when he like <laughs> pummels her down into the ground till she hits the subway, oh for yeah. Some, for some reason, that was just like very visceral for me. Where with how the panels were laid out and she was getting pum- pummeled down, I felt the impacts. I felt I was like, oh, Stiltman can be cool. Like he's this little secret like that I have. Like every time Stiltman shows up, I'm like, hell yeah, Stiltman. You know who he reminds me of who. Remember how I tried to get you to watch Futurama? Mm-hmm. Bender. He reminds me of Bender the robot because <laughs> Bender will walk around on his legs big like that. And I was like, yeah, I just imagine Stiltman having that absolute attitude of this stupid robot makes it even better because Bender hates everyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. Um, yeah, I just wanted to shout out Stiltman real quick before we move on. <laughs> also, before we move on, I want to, now that I'm looking through like, different issues i was looking through the saint nick issue which i think is like now that i'm re-looking at it i think it is my favorite issue but at the same time i just want to say that john byrne has a really like we were talking about his art style a lot but and but with you mentioning stilt man it reminded me that he has really good framing too like the way he uses grids and the way he uses panels and the absence of panels sometimes and the way he sets up different splash pages or does the montage or has her cross over to do fast travel, basically, from her home to the office. I think it's really cool how he's able to frame it and everything. And it's something that I think Tom King should study more instead of doing the nine grid system. But that's not, a, that's not you know, here nor there. Just pointing it out there. That maybe maybe Tom King could, like, spread out a little bit past Watchmen and maybe read another fucking comic book besides that. I don't know. <laughs> 
I was watching something the other day that mentioned the Watchmen, and I was like, stop it. Stop it right now. <laughs> I'm trying to avoid that as long as possible. <laughs> What I won't it? make I won't make you read Watchmen for a long time. I remember what it is. I'll have to say what it is offline though, because I don't want to be clocked on the internet. Oh. <laughs> Love it was Big Bang you. Theory. Was it really? What? It wasn't was it really Big Bang, Bang Theory. Theory? No, definitely oh. not. <laughs> All right. Um we got a good question from Anne. Mm. So like we talked about last week, Anne's gonna be off for a couple weeks. Evan is here killing it, frankly. Evan, Thank you. you are a wonderful addition. And you're I know I'm not as good as Anne, but I'm trying to fill her shoes, and I feel like I'm doing the best I can, and sometimes that, that falls short of expectations. And that's okay for everybody. I think you, you got to be a little bit hornier. Okay. And you have Thank to be you. like, Dallas, there weren't enough lesbians in this book. All right, I could do that. So first and foremost, zero lesbians in She-Hulk, as far as we know, which really sucks because lesbians. Am I right, fellas and ladies? Yeah. And where are the space blondes? What's up with that? I saw literally only two. That's not enough. (laughs) We need more, baby. Where's the space blondes? (laughs) And one of them was pregnant. One of them was pregnant, which could be for someone. But for me, the feeling for Anne, not. Not sexy at all. (laughs) But yeah, She-Hulk, very sexy. And I am a fan. Me. The, the lesbian of this episode. <laughs> Evan Bondu, <laughs> certified lesbian. Funny. I'm going to change best. my name on Twitter to Wide Load. You have to change yours to <laughs> Evan the Lesbian. Evan the Lesbian, I love it. Uh, I'm going to get uh, canceled. I can't do that. Evan <laughs> the Lesbian Von Doom. If I get canceled over that, I will let it happen. You know? Yeah, Joanna. you're like, frankly, oh. I earned it. Finally. Oh, yeah. Send me down the river. But (laughs) here is Anne's email to us, the Comics Collective. She says, my dearest collective, I have to admit I'm very jealous. For over the last year, the Comics Collective has given me some of my favorite memories and it's given me some of my best friends in the world. So naturally, every time I'm not able to be there with y'all, it breaks my heart. But I know for a fact without even listening that y'all killed this episode and I cannot wait to listen to it as a fan this Wednesday. It's at least my third most anticipated event this week. And even though I'm not there, you can't get away from me that easily. I still have a question I want to ask. The fourth wall breaking nature of this comic helped cement it as a cult classic and really helped separate Jen from Bruce as a character in the Marvel Universe. And going real meta also helped reestablish Animal Man in the famous Grant Morrison run. So I have to ask, are there any characters today who could benefit from a more relaxed meta-filled style? Or is there any book we've read so far played straight that you think could have worked better if it had been more self-aware? Can't wait to hear you smart and sexy answers. Carol Ann Banana Man. She actually wrote Banana Man. Which Banana! And then she says, P.S. Before I go, I wanted to say thank you to all of you. Evan, Dallas, and Lexi, I love you all so much. You've all helped give me the support and strength I needed to get me to where I am now. And for that, I can never thank you enough. I can't wait to see you all again in just two weeks. If she keeps an album, I'm going to start crying. That was very sweet, and we love you too. And I'm sorry for saying I was a certified lesbian this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is an official Evan apology. <laughs> this is official. Hey, Twitter. Uh, uh, hey, never thought I'd be in this situation. Uh, yeah. Reading off my notes app, but <sighs> so fourth wall breaks. Yes, are I would love to use this as a springboard to talk about some of our favorite fourth wall breaks, just Ooh. overall. Because so I want to answer Anne's question. Is there a character you think you want to see break the fourth wall? Is there a book we've read you wish broke the fourth wall? 
But then I want us to kind of talk because Evan, I know you're a huge fan of Gwenpool. I want us to talk about fourth wall breaks in general and how we like them, what some of our favorites are, because that is a huge part of this comic. So let's answer the first questions first. Are there any characters or books we've already read on the show that we wish would break the fourth wall? I wish Kate Pride would have in Marauders. I feel like that would have been fun. (laughs) I feel like that would have broken it for me. I don't know. I don't want Kate Pride to break the fourth wall. She feels very firmly rooted in being like, the mutant metaphor is the same as every minority. You're like, Kate Pride. list all these slurs. Oh, Kate, no! If she's aware she's in a comic book, she is no longer able to be excused for her behavior. Like, Kate Pride firmly has to be fictional, or else... It's going to be a bringing to task of yeah. K-Pride. If it's the older K-Pride and she's looking back and she's like, well, that was embarrassing. I'd be like, okay, I can accept that. But yeah, if like it's younger K-Pride, she's like, watch this. She's like, get a load of this. this. I'm going to school this motherfucker. What if I called you? And you're like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Kate, no. You called me a mutie, you. These <laughs> <laughs> are just black for three straight pages <laughs> holy <laughs> shit kitty pride uh, we agree C- kitty pride ceo <laughs> of slurs kitty pride oh no she is the only thing bigger than her hair is her ability to remember a slur <laughs> she says ones that you're like i didn't even know that one existed kitty Jeez. she's like i looked it up on the computer with doug and doug's <laughs> like don't bring me into this and Warlock's like, self-friend, you helped her do what? I'm a laser expert. I can just talk to anybody. I don't know. That's how she knows. <laughs> Doug, tell me slurs from other languages. He's like, stop using my mutant power for this. I can't help it. I have to respond. Uh... <laughs> She's like, Reverend Stryker's going to love this. <laughs> I love the speech where she like starts with the ones that are Jewish and she's like, and so now I'm allowed to say all of them. You're like, no, you're not, Kate. That's all it works. That is not how it works at all. Oh my God. She is. I'd like to change my answer. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's okay. She's like one of my favorite characters. We could joke about it. Yeah, we, this is a Kitty Pride loving podcast. Yeah. This is safe space for you racists out there. Thank you, for all you racists. For all you King Pride racists out there. <laughs> Safe place. Kevin. Kevin. I almost called you Kevin Von Doom. Did <laughs> I ever tell you about the story of the guy I met rock wall climbing named Kevin? No. <laughs> all right. So I'll try to like, condense it. But basically, me and my friend Journey started rock wall climbing. We're going there a little bit. And there's this guy there that we see a few times and eventually approached us um, to, I guess, climb with us because he wasn't climbing with anyone else. And so rock wall climbing normally is a very supportive and like nice community like someone will fall we go oh that was nice good job you know and like hey this is what i would have done if you want the assistance and then like you talk to someone it's a really nice and supportive community i want to say that off the bat in case anyone wants to get into rock wall climbing it's very fun it's a good workout yada yada but so kevin comes up and he's like talking to us about the climb we were doing we're like haha joking around and like i got like a bad vibe off of him in terms of like his tone off of jump so i was already on edge but i was trying to be nice and everything and then he was like, at the end of the conversation, he was like, it finally like doing the name exchange and everything. And Jerry was like, oh, I'm Jerry. And he was like, oh, hey, Jerry, how's it going? And then I was like, hey, I'm Evan. Or he was, oh, he said his, his name was Kevin first. And then Jerry introduced himself as Jerry. And then I said, I'm Evan. And he's like, oh, huh, I'm Kevin. Like Evan, but better. 
And my face went from like this smile to like the most deadpan, like I was so heated. And then what was worse, it gets worse. So COVID happened, which obviously is worse. Um, but then, I mean, arguably worse. And so then, but then we came back to Rockwell Climbing eventually. So we came back to Rockwell Climbing eventually. I recognized him and I remembered him. So I was like avoiding him and everything. And then one day he approached me again and like was talking and he was like, hey, can you remember what your name was again? And I was like, oh yeah, I'm Evan. He was like, huh. Kevin, like Evan, but better. He did the same joke again. He hit you like, with a number two. He hit it with it twice. And that second time, I was like, okay. And I just left. Like, I didn't say bye or anything. I was like, okay, cool. And I just like walked away. I was so done. I can't believe he hit me with the same joke twice. I was heated. So, you Kevin, if you're hearing this, fuck you, dude. <laughs> fuck you, Kevin. <laughs> He's sitting at home right now like, I didn't know that was the same Evan. <laughs> Oh no! Watch me while I reply, guys. Like, <laughs> that would be the icing on the cake. You do have the worst reply, guys, on all of the internet. I'm gonna yeah, throw I it out there. <laughs> I appreciate all the love and attention I get on the tw- on the Twitter.coms. Some of you guys are really rude to me and think it's funny, and I don't think it's funny at all. And that's why I don't respond to you guys. Just a heads up, uh, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening, I don't know there. how many times I have to say that, but not, the message isn't getting through. So it's gonna be a block soon enough. I've hit him with a lot. I've hit a lot of people with blocks lately. Yeah. Some, someone the, else almost got blocked on the day. <laughs> the real trick is if you get blocked by the Comics Collective, you are in the bowels of hell. Ooh. That means that Dallas hates you enough <laughs> to block you twice. Yeah, that's fair. Ooh. All right. Anyway, so, sorry about that I wonder what would happen if I got that password. <laughs> Podcast Alexis would be over. Alex just blocks everyone. All of Twitter is blocked. Just delete our account. <laughs> it's a power move. Oh, yeah. So Alexis wants Kitty Pride to break the fourth wall. Uh, Evan, who do you want to break the fourth wall? Um, from a book y'all already did. I was trying to think of one, but the only person I could like, I think it would be kind of fun if Kevin Smith's Green Arrow broke the fourth wall. Maybe not in those books in particular, but I think he is charming enough and witty enough and corny enough to make it work. Um, depending on what the book is. I think if Automatopia is there, you can't break the fourth wall. You have to take it a little bit more seriously. Even though the book's like fun, that's very serious, I feel like, the topics they go through in there. But, you know, if he's finding like Merlin or someone, like who cares? Like Ver- Vertigo? Come on. You're so, right. You are correct. I feel like Kate Bishop also to tag on to that one. That would be kind yeah. of fun. I was going to say that um, we haven't read um, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye yet, but, yet. and we won't do it while i'm here apparently but anyway uh but uh, i think that <laughs> uh, no shame you know it is what it is and wants to do it so she, no i'm kidding um we're doing annihilation which i love uh but yeah i think that would also be another book that would be great if clint ended up breaking the fourth wall of some book or if kate bishop during her one shot broke the fourth wall or if she did it when kelly thompson was writing because kelly thompson's good at that with like west Co- did you read west coast avengers it's very good alexis hasn't read it yet oh okay. you'll like it it's something to read after the Matt Fraction Hawkeye, uh, Kelly Thompson did a Hawkeye run with Kate Bishop, and then she did a West Coast Avengers book that Kate Bishop led the team for. I think you would like those a lot. So I do actually love those too. It was super funny. Um, Carson, I realized I had never seen the Hawkeye TV show on Disney+, mm. Plus, and so Carson was like, let's just watch it just for funsies. And the absolute shriek that left my body when I saw Pizza Dog. Yeah. Was ridiculous. Carson goes, "What? Why are you yelling?" And I was like, "It's Pizza Dog." And he was like, "You are on something." I like it. Right. Um, here, mine is kind of out of left field. You might have to just 
follow me here. I when I think of a character like Batman, I don't think he could break the fourth wall, right? Like I feel like the tone of his stories, it would really take him out of it. But I think him having an antagonist who could yeah. who like used comic books against him when he is unable to recognize what's going on would be a really great way to challenge the world's greatest detective. Like the world's greatest detective can't follow a clue outside of a panel border. You know, Yeah. you have this character leave the actual panel and go around and Batman is just at a loss for what's going on. I think that could be very interesting and fun. You need a smart writer or a very funny writer for that. So you either need like someone who's Grant Morrison or someone who's like Christopher Hastings, like no in between. I want Ryan North and Nick Darrington to do this. All right, never mind. You got it. That's it. You nailed it. It's like Batman Universe. Batman Universe is the best Batman comic that's come out in recent memory. Just by the way, everyone, everyone that says Brian Michael Bendis is done. Uh, No, he's not. Um, Also, that's incorrect because Batman slash Fortnite was the best Batman comics come out in the last decade. So, and that sounds like a joke, but I'm so dead ass serious. It was my favorite Batman book for a long time. Batman Universe was definitely the close second, I'm not going to lie, but um, it's very good. I've heard that that I've heard from multiple comic book stores that the Fortnite crossover comics have caused the biggest influx of kids into stores yeah. that they remember from like the last 10 years. Yeah, so, which is awesome. That so, was. Yeah, so people could like shit on Fortnite all they want. I think we're like past the phase where it's cringe to like Fortnite, which is cool, but you know, it's also kind of still cringe to like Fortnite. I like Fortnite. It's kind of cringe. I, I get it. But, you know, the comic is honestly just so good that at that point, I was like, I can no longer, I'm no longer embarrassed playing Fortnite because this comic is that good. And even if you don't like Fortnite, if you hate it, if you're like Lexi and you think we're a bunch of nerds, it's totally fine. But <laughs> she was thinking some, hot. She was thinking some Kitty Pride words there. I could see it on her face. <laughs> Watch yourself. For nerds, for nerds. <laughs> But no, you're making fun of us for uh, talking about Fortnite for one second last time That's I was true. here. <laughs> last week. Yeah. <laughs> last time I was here, like it was six months ago. I've read so many comics between that. It feels like it's been a month. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I read Earth X, which is like the, one of the most dense uh, Marvel books I've ever read. It's it very a trip good, on itself. It is. Uh, She-Hulk is in it, but she's controlled by Hydra. So it's kind of disappointing. Yeah. It's not as sexy. <laughs> nah. So... Evan, you are a huge Gwenpool fan. Yes, I am. What? How would you compare her breaking the fourth wall to She-Hulk's breaking the fourth wall? Um, it depends how she's written. Um, so I think the writers who did it best have, have so far been because the writers who have worked on her have been like Mark Wade, who did her the worst, surprisingly, uh, Christopher Hastings, who did her the best, Leah Williams, who did great, and Kelly Thompson, who did good. Um, I think. The thing that makes Gwenpool work a lot is that she understands she's in a comic, and but she's also a character from another universe. So She-Hulk is a comic book character who knows she's in a comic and utilizes that when it's convenient and other times she doesn't get it. Gwenpool always gets it um, because even in the comic, she's from another universe. So in her universe, and we visit that universe every once in a while, and in her universe, she's been reading all these comics. So she has all the history of all the comics in Marvel since uh, inception up to like what 2014 or 15 when she was created then she comes over to 616 and she comes with that knowledge in hand and how comics work so she uses that to her own benefit so i think that's used a lot more as a story convention where in she hulk it's used a lot more just as a joke and to move the story along 
which I don't think is a bad thing at all, but I think it does differentiate how the medium is utilized or how the character utilizes the medium or it, their relationship with the medium in that sense. That's a really cool differentiation. Uh, I could not say that word. That that was a hard yeah. word for me there for a minute. <laughs> that was a stumble. A lot of letters. <laughs> <laughs> I got tripped up there. Yeah. I have not read any of the Gwenpool comics, but mm. it's on my list. There's an omnibus in November. I might pick it yeah. up. I'm picking it up. I love Gwenpool, and I want everyone to read it. Um, if you like She-Hulk, you should. Uh, I was gonna like plug a bunch of comics that are similar to this comic, but Gwenpool was 100 on that list. Um, if you like the fourth wall breaking, if you like the humor, um, Gwenpool has all that. And there's like three different writers who do it well in totally different ways. Um, like Leo Williams is a lot more. I don't want to keep using the word, but cringe with it. But it's still workable because with the character, you're kind of like, well, this is kind of who she is. So it doesn't feel like so much the writer is writing it this way it's so much as it's how she thinks the character would actually talk so it makes sense but then you have like mark wade's version which is like just bad like it's scary bad like she's just she's like what you would imagine deadpool to be but worse so oh. yeah rip okay R. deadpool kelly thompson's deadpool was great just by the way everyone if you didn't read kelly thompson's deadpool which i don't think anyone but me did because it got canceled after eight issues yeah but like that book ruled. Just fun fact. Very also good. Also, Bloodstone's in it, so it can't be bad. And Chris Bocciolo draws it. Oh, yeah. And it rules. Like, it was so good. It was the best okay. Deadpool thing I've read in a long time. And Kelly, you know I'm your number one shooter. I, re- I was reading it. It was beautiful. Uh, Alexis, do you want to read our second question? Absolutely, I do. I even have it pulled up everything already. Look at me. It's like I knew. All right. Dear Dallas, Lexi, and Evan, what's your favorite obscure hero? Uh, oh, oh, what are your favorite obscure heroes and villains who appeared here? Also, mm. which hero slash villain would you like to see in the show? Personally, I had the, I had this idea that Gravity could show up as a supporting character trying to be a hero in the big city. Anyway, all the best, Zach. I mean, I think we touched on how much we love the headmen. They rule very hard. I think it would be very fun. I know like Dr. Bong was a funny thing to do, but Dr. Doom not being able to like (laughs) grasp her breaking the fourth wall, like not fitting into the tone of her book would be very entertaining to me. That would have been fun. Doom being like, (laughs) what the hell is going on? Who are you talking to? It would have been fun for me. Yeah. I could see that. I would have liked that. For obscure characters that did show up in the book, I really... I love Mysterio uh, because I'm a big Spider-Man fan. So seeing Mysterio was fun and seeing him... I wish he got to interact more with She-Hulk and like how crazy it could be because he's like an illusionist. So for someone to just be breaking the fourth wall all the time and like using that against him, that would have been really interesting to see how he reacted to that. But rather than that, I really uh, thought Dr. Bong was a lot of fun. Because uh, he had that Doctor Doom seriousness, but he was also still like an obscure character and a weirdo. So, I agree. How about you, Lex? What dang ass freak weirdo did you like the best? Mm, I I mean, I want to say Doctor Bong, but that was already the answer. So I feel like um, the Yeti Man. Forget his name. Zemnu. He's very interesting. And I'm very curious to see also now 
with the context that you've given me that he's a terrifying human being. Holy shit. I'm not even kidding you. Like building up to Zemnu for whatever reason, seeing the cover of him and like seeing him introduced in Immortal Hook was the first time I was like, do I want to keep reading this book? And then I was like, yeah, I should read like the next Zemnu issue. And then he was so scary that I was like hooks inside of me to the end of Immortal Hulk because I, holy crap. Spoopy, spoopy, scary skeletons. Mm, (laughs) And shivers down my spine. He is a scary Yeti man. What was the Uh, second question? um, Who would you like to show up in the show? Oh, D-Man. He's a good one. Yeah. If you don't know, D-Man is like this weird character who stole the style of both Daredevil and Wolverine somehow and then became the most obscure character you've ever heard of. But he kind of had like a renaissance because he showed up in the Sam Wilson comic book when he was Captain America. So um, he got a lot more character there. Um, and I think he's a very fun and interesting character. And it would have been very funny to me if instead of Daredevil showing up in She-Hulk, it was D-Man. And everyone was very disappointed except for me. <laughs> Evans over there, like, yes, yes, they're like, who is this guy? I'm like, let's fucking, yeah, seismologists around the country are like, there's been a spike in something. We can harness this power, it's like Monster City. I'm charging up, yeah. Speaking of which, I would like Goku to show up in the show, yeah, finally. When will Goku join the MCU? Never. The end. Yeah. What is Fair my enough. real answer? <laughs> I... My real answer is mm-hmm. Spider-Woman. Ooh. That's a good choice. I like that. I would love Squirrel Girl to show up. Oh. <gasps> Especially considering there was the whole Squirrel Girl pilot that was shot that then got canned. Yeah. That was a West Coast like... Avengers pilot. Rest in peace, mm-hmm. Squirrel. Yeah. But also they get canned too, right? Yeah. I would just, I love her. I love Squirrel Girl. I'm excited for her omnibus to come out. I would be curious what it would be like to have a Squirrel Girl in New York City, strictly because all the squirrels She'd that I so ever powerful. saw would be so, were so fat. <laughs> she would be so powerful in New York City. She's got, got a bunch of tree cats she would on her take side. Over. I, if Squirrel Girl doesn't have a bad guy named Pigeon Person, I <laughs> will be upset. Pigeon Boy. Pigeon Boy. <laughs> Good old Pigeon Boy. All right. I think those are our two questions. Do we have any final thoughts about She-Hulk? It ruled. Yeah, sexy. (laughs) Sexy, good. Alexis, you've seen the show. Mm -hmm. I have not watched the show. Evan, have you watched the show? I saw the first episode. Mm -hmm. Do we give a thumbs up to the show? Sideways thumbs? Thumbs down? Me and my one brain cell say thumbs up, but please don't bully me on the internet. It is, you can bully me on the internet if you want. You're going to be wrong, but it's like the second best MCU show. Yeah, I think it's just Because all the other fun. ones are bad, except for Falcon, uh, Captain America. So, yeah. it's fun. It's dumb. It's fun. There's feet. So, if you're into that, it's very good. <laughs> that's um, Captain America fucks. So, you know. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Oh, my gosh. There's an after credit scene. The whole first episode, she's, like, dedicated to asking Bruce if Captain America has ever had sex. And he, like, refuses to give her the answer until the very end. And then just, like, end credit. She goes, Captain America fucks. But it, like, cuts it off. off She doesn't say the last part of the word. So funny. 
Because the whole the show is amusing. And the whole time I was kind of like, yes. mm, yeah. like I was like smiling, but not like laughing, laughing or anything. And then that happened. I lost my I shit. I was like rolling loud. on the floor. <laughs> that was so funny. How is Tatiana Maslany? I love her. Is she She's, good? She is different. Their, their She-Hulk is different than this She-Hulk. Um, she is a lot more... What's the word I'm looking for? Help me out here, Lexi. How, do you, how would you describe her? Once she's I small. Mean, she, I feel like she takes herself a little more serious as a lawyer, but I don't know if that's just the buildup of, like, she just became Hulk. I don't know how, like... Yeah. And I don't have that much context of how normal She-Hulk is. Other than yeah. this one, like this one, I feel like she very much enjoys being She-Hulk and thinks yeah. that she's sexy and fun and likes to do exciting things. But I feel like in the show, she's not quite there yet. Yeah. And it's also hard to gauge because like the first episode, at least for me, because the first episode is mostly her and Bruce interacting, which yeah. I think is the best Bruce Banner has been written since the first Avengers oh, movie. I so. loved him in the first episode, yeah. actually. He ruled. He was enjoyable. It was like the most deep conversation we got with him. I wish mm-hmm. they went more with it because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot more to dissect in the character that we haven't seen in Mar- like the movies yet. So mm-hmm. I would have, I wish they did more with that, but just them interacting, they had a real, you could tell like they were, they acted like actual cousins. They really like, did I have the vibe really- of like, I'm going to fucking kill you because yeah. I'm your family, but I also love you. So I want to punch you in the face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I do have to say, though, with the first episode, the scene where she's not Hulk and she's normal, like her normal Jen self, but she's in Hulk's lab. And I was like, this seems like a very like I couldn't understand what was wrong with the scene. And I realized all the tables were over her head because she was a normal (laughs) person. And I was like, this is wrong. Something's wrong here because they're all Hulk sized tables, not tiny person tables. (laughs) So, yeah, you sold me. I think I'm going to watch it. Go watch it. It's actually quite fun. It will be yeah. the first one since Loki that I've watched. Shit. Yeah. Don't watch Moon Knight. I won't. No, don't do yeah. that. Don't I do liked that. Loki. I'll watch Loki season two. Yeah, Loki was enjoyable. Oh, yeah. That one. <laughs> we all know how I felt about that one. <laughs> also, I don't want to get bullied. I, I don't think they're all bad. All right. I, I Not all the movies are bad. I think they're all like adequate, but I'm I enjoy Yeah. Like Loki, I thought was mediocre, but I enjoyed it. Falcon and the Winter Soldier was like okay, but I thought. It was more okay than others. WandaVision I didn't like. Moon Knight mm-hmm. I thought was bad. I just skipped Miss Marvel because I was so done after Multiverse of Madness. And I Moon haven't Knight. watched Miss Marvel and I feel I know, I feel bad. It. That's the one I was excited for. Know, and the only reason I'm watching She-Hulk is because like Thor kind of brought me back. Because Thor mm-hmm. also wasn't that good, but I enjoyed it. Same. And so I was kind of like, all right, I guess I could do more Marvel movies. Like, okay, I'll dip my toes back in. Yeah. So I, I'm I gonna do go have back to say, I'm Marvel. enjoying watching Hawkeye just purely because of Pete's dog. And That's Kate fair. Bishop. Kate Bishop, I love Haley. I love Kate Bishop, Jeremy and also Renner. Elena kind of slaps. But yeah, Elena's great, and the Swordsman's great. I yep. like him mm-hmm. too. Uh, the yep. Swordsman's played by some guy from Better, Better Call Saul. I don't know anything mm-hmm. about that show yet. I don't know his name. Um, but. but my problem with Hawkeye is that Jeremy Renner looks so fucking bored. The yeah, he looks time. like he doesn't want to be there. He does I'm not want to be there. <laughs> like from job, he's just like, "Hi, I'm Hawkeye." I'm like, "Oh my god, this is how we're he starting knows, this off." He's dude. like, "I know that my, not, my character's never gonna go anywhere." And then they're like, "No, we really promise we want to take your character somewhere." Yeah, they should he's recast like, no. them, to be honest. Yeah, like I don't care how late it is in MCU, recast them. We we have all been like better for it. Anyway, sorry to talk about uh, MCU. Just no. introduce a variant. The end. Yeah, talking, talking on one. MCU on man. <laughs> Listen, anyway. power to you people. I've got real TV to watch. House of the Dragon, uh, episode one, whipped so hard. Episode no, two, better be good. Episode two is halfway over the end. Perfect. 
So I like it. Was it laggy for you last time? We can talk about that later. Sorry. <laughs> it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's close this slush puppy up. up. All right. Let's wrap it up. All right, everybody. If you like our show and want to hear more from us throughout the week, please go follow our Twitter account at CMX Collective. Or you can find us at our personal accounts at Dallas underscore comics at and comics honorable mention. She's not here, but please go follow her. She's wonderful. And at Lexi Lou underscore comics. We also have a TikTok account, which is just at the comics collective. And Evan, what are your socials? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Evan Reads Comics, or you can follow my podcast that I co-host with Dallas called What's Next Comic Book Podcast, Ooh. where every month we go over the solicitations of the month. And we have a, a, a Twitter for that that I think is called um, at What's Next Podcast or What's Next Comics. So hopefully you can find that. And also you guys should read my quick plugs. Sorry. is uh, You should be reading Gwenpool. The Ominous comes out in November. It's going to be great. If not, you should at least read the Gwenpool by Christopher Hastings, which is the best one. Uh, the Mary Jane Watson uh, miniseries that came out uh, the other year was also really good and has the same kind of style in terms of like more slice of life with superhero antics on the side. Um, and Jimmy Olsen by Matt Fraction, I think is like the perfect successor spiritually to this series. So check those out. I want to throw my weight behind Jimmy Olsen by Matt Fraction as well. That book, I got to make Alexis read that book because it works so hard. He turns into a giant turtle, Alexis. He also, he goes to... (laughs) A giant turtle, Morty! They they turned into a giant turtle! Alexis, he goes to Gorilla City because, quote, it's a city full of gorillas. Why wouldn't I go? And then there's a panel of Gorilla CNN where it's a gorilla oh, in a suit in front of CNN, and it says along the bottom, Gorilla CNN, and then the bubble says, <laughs> and they're showing a picture of Jimmy behind them. They're reporting in gorilla on. <laughs> that's the best comic book that's ever been written, first it's so off. Good. It's, it's so good. Uh, it's so good. Okay. Um, if you enjoyed the show and want to show your support, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening and give us a five-star review and we will read it off on the show if you write something. All right. And finally, feel free to email us with your questions or comments or just if you want to tell us we're cute um, at thecomicscollective at gmail.com. And we will see you all next week for our episode on dun 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 annihilation annihilation with evan again <laughs> with me again i'll be here to talk Woo! about my favorite moment with that's perfect. being cut off <laughs> perfect <No spoilers>. invincible <laughs> comes in. <laughs> that's next oh boy yeah annihilation is gonna be really fun alexis if you don't know you, this is the prelude to the guardians of the galaxy being formed so this is the big event that sets it up so that they can be formed after. That's rad. It's dope. Very You're going to fall in love with Nova. He's cool. Oh, he's awesome. All right. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye. Yeah. Bye.